Welcome to the Rekindling Ministries podcast series. This is episode 3.22, and today we're looking into the concept of fear. Mm -hmm. My name is Shannon Kirkpatrick, and I am the founder of Rekindling Ministries. My name is Zach Rios, and I've been helping with a lot of these different podcasts and studying youth ministry at the same time. A uh, lot of lot of episodes, right? We have. Because this is technically episode 20, 22, mm -hmm. but then some of those we've done multiple parts, so I think we're over 30 yeah, I think so. Plus 10 from season two and 10 from season one. So over 50 episodes. That's mm -hmm. yeah, crazy. Um, all right, so let's do a, a quick recap of um, what we've been doing in this season. So if you're just tuning in to the fear topic, uh, context is everything. Uh, and so so what's going on here? So one of the things that we've been doing in this season with which e each of these episodes is we imagine like a big puzzle. And it, it creates this really cool portrait of like who God is and what he's up to and what we should be doing, mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, we broke that portrait down almost like a, like a puzzle into individual pieces. And so each episode, we were just exploring one of those pieces of the puzzle, one of these key concepts to, to faith, to, to scripture, uh, to God and, and Christianity. Um, and then this last, and, and, and I'll say the pieces first. So we, we looked at hope and heaven faith, maturity, love, glory, interdeterminism, good, evil and sin, suffering, prayer, recovery and grieving from suffering, uh, patience and perseverance, righteousness and justice, judgment and punishment, grace, uh, the two types of mercy, compassion, mercy and forgiveness, mercy, and then anger and, and, how, and how hate plays into that. So those are the, I think, 18 or so pieces that, mm -hmm. that we were looking together. So then in the last episode, in, in, in 3.21, we put all, we call it, you know, the elephant in the room kind of yep. deal, but we put all the pieces together and we showed you this portrait of, and this is not a fully detailed, this, yeah. this was the, the kind of the initial kind of key points of the portrait of who, uh, of who God is and what he's doing and then what's our overall response to that, which was basically hope, faith, and love. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, and then we talked about that choice to either obey or disobey. And if you obey, you get the rewards and such. If you disobey, there's that restorative punishment. And these were all like super detailed, yeah. super nuanced, right? This is just a quick summary. Uh, and then we talked also about, um, and then what happens if you're not the one necessarily causing evil, but you're the, on the one on the receiving end of evil mm -hmm. or suffering. How, what should you do with that? Or if you're helping somebody who's on the receiving end, what should you do about that? Yeah. Um, and then, and then really that's what life is about this prologue anyways mm -hmm. is understanding you know who god is and what he's doing uh having hope in that placing your faith in that and and then really acting in in love and if you obey and doing good and justice and love great mm -hmm. uh if you don't god's going to do a variety of different things to kind of nudge you back uh and then if you're on the receiving end of someone else causing the problems doing evil and sin here's how you should respond to that it, i really it was cool and again it, that's not everything yeah um, but I liked painting that picture. Um, what's, what was one of the things for you? What's, what's been one of the, the benefits or one of the results as, as we've gone through the seasons of our, yeah, I think one of the benefits and results of just going through that whole process is before I had gone through all of that, I had a lot of general ideas about the different topics and how it kind of all fit together, but going through and looking at each individual piece of the puzzle and then putting it together just really allowed me to understand all of just the sum total of it all so much more clearly. 
Um, and so just that the idea of cleaning the glasses to actually look at the picture. Yeah. Um, it's just been really helpful for me, even practically in my own life, just um, knowing how t- I should be responding to my sin in my life is w- one area specifically where it's been helping me recently. Um, just recognizing, well, where am I at? Um, because I'm a believer and when I'm sinning, I'm disobeying. And so right now it really doesn't seem like this sin is impacting me very much. So I'm probably in like that zero to 90, um, just patient warning. I really want to stop this before I get to the the 91. 91. Um, and if you're wondering what zero to 90, 90, 91 (laughs) means, go back and listen to the judgment and punishment. Yeah. Judgment and punishment. We also talk about it in the elephant episode, but just wanting to not move past the patient warning into um, that next stage and just recognizing that has been specifically helpful. Yeah. I think for me, so, you know, a lot of times we talk about the mystery of God and sometimes it almost comes across as everything's a mystery and we're just not meant to understand it. We just have to kind of blindly trust. And what I found is there are certain things that seem to be a mystery beyond what we can figure out. For example, what is the triune God or mm-hmm. in the incarnation of Jesus and kenosis? We are, right? Some yeah. stuff maybe is a, little, is a little above our pay grade, right? But we found that not everything was mystery. Mm-hmm. And so we talked about, you know, in Proverbs, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to reveal a matter. That there's something valuable about God hiding a few things in Scripture a few inches into the soil. And then there's something valuable about man then having to dig a few inches. So you and I both believe if you look at Scripture and you come at just a surface understanding, you get the core salvific information that you need, mm-hmm. right? That that Jesus is Lord and Savior, that He's taking care of your sins. You want to place your faith in Him, for Him being the creator of all things, and then you'll get that eternal life, right, if you continue yeah. to, to remain in Him. That is right there, that, you know, and that God loves the world and all that. That's all right there at the surface. Then there's other things in Scripture that, that, that God has planted a few inches in the soil that He wants us to dig into. And so, so that's what we've done with each of these pieces of the puzzle. We've dug into them a little bit and saw more of what was going on. And what I've personally, my takeaway from all, all this so far has been, man, God, like, I see what you did there. I, well done. Like I never would have come up with that. I would have probably done it in a different way because that this is more difficult, you know, et cetera. But now that I'm better understanding like, like why we're in this prologue mm-hmm. and I'm better understanding why you might still punish or why you might use anger and why you're so quick to show grace and mercy and all that kind of stuff. The more as we got, we, as we dug a few inches into the soil of scripture and we got to these pieces and we started, you know, flipping the pieces over and looking all some of the, you know, had the magnifying glass, mm-hmm. looking at some of the details, we started seeing the connection. We've also used the analogy of a forest where like each of these pieces are as a tree. Yeah. And these trees, the roots and the branches all t- tend to, you know, intercombine and all that. And it just solidifies all of it. Um, it helps me. So, so one is I really am in awe of like, of how how and why God is doing what he's doing. It, it makes more sense to me, um, and I'm impressed with that. Uh, and then two, just also confidence that, you know, some of the stuff, even, even what we're going to discuss today in fear, sometimes it's like, is it that, though? Like, it's not really what I've always thought. Mm-hmm. Well, we keep doing all these different pieces of the puzzle, and they keep confirming each other. 
Uh, and so it's giving me more confidence that we are on the right track, you know, with all that stuff. Yeah. So, so it's been a cool process. So if you're, if you're, this is the first time you're listening to the episodes, um, because you wanted to learn more about the fear or somebody had recommended it. Um, we do encourage you at some point to go back and listen to, um, well, I would say at the very least, go back and listen to episode 3.21 where we putting it all together. Mm-hmm. You may not want to take the time. I don't want to listen to 33-hour podcast, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, well, at least listen to, like, maybe listen like to the first couple of episodes where we're kind of laying the groundwork of everything. Mm-hmm. And then listen to episode 3.21 where we put it all together. Yeah. And then, and that may be enough. If you're like, oh, now I want to know how they got there, then mm-hmm. you can go back and listen to, you know, to the individual episode or whatever. Um, but that gives you a little snapshot kind of, of of what we've been up to. And so we have this portrait now. And again, that portrait that we presented in the last episode was not the complete, full, detailed version. It was like some of the core main things. So now in the second part of season three, we're going to be taking some other pieces of the puzzle, some like some of the fruit of the spirit and some other ones. And we're, we're same things we were doing with the first ones. We're going to go through what is the uh, original wording that with the Hebrew and the Aramaic and the Greek, mm-hmm. what are the core definitions of these concepts? And then going through all of scripture from old Testament through new contextually looking up every passage that we can find, um, that are that we think of, mm-hmm. well, I'll kind of come back to that in a minute here. Um, and and then and then as a team anywhere from three to fifteen people normally, and we we pour over all those passages and like all right, what are the themes that are coming up? What are the nuances? What confirmation of definition is there? You know, so we're always trying to answer four questions in these unpacking series. So according to scripture, what would the definition of this concept be? And then what are a, a lot of the details and nuances that we found as we, as we went through the study? And then what's the benefits, with the motivation for actually pursuing these these pieces of the puzzle, mm-hmm. uh, trying to embrace them more in life? Uh, and then uh, and then what's the personal application for me? What's the change I want to make in my life now because of this study, right? Um, so, anyways, the so so this this next piece of the puzzle that we're gonna do is fear and we're actually going to be looking at fear in general being afraid and also fear the lord and what what is what does that mean right mm-hmm. so this, and, and you're and you're going to see uh pretty quickly here how interrelated the those two things are so so i i had really really enjoyed this study um so first thing is going through what was all the words that that i looked up when we were doing the prep for this um so I looked up, so again, as always, we use the NASB, one of the more word-for-word translations. Mm-hmm. And so I looked up fear, afraid, tremble, terror, terrify, dread, horror, quake, panic, and startled. Uh, I also looked up scared, by the way. Scared shows up zero times in NASB, right? It's a more recent English word. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I knew I knew before that I'd heard that you know fear of the Lord is that reverential awe. So I did look up awe and awesome and revere uh, as well. Now as we were, as Zach, you and I were were prepping this, and, and that and that by the way, all of those total are nine hundred and seventy three mentions, eight hundred and four in the Old Testament, and one hundred and sixty nine in the New. Uh, but as we were going through the prep work, I realized I didn't look up uh, agony or anxiety. Um, I also didn't look up courage and courageous. Mm-hmm. 
And so in the prep work, we end up doing a quick version of those. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. So we did end up looking up some of the verses and some of the Hebrew and, and Aramaic and Greek of, of those as well. Um, and so I look back sometimes, because you, 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 a lot of times I forget when I pick a topic, I forget that we should also be looking up the opposite. Yeah. Uh, so thankfully we caught that in the prep for the, the podcast. So we didn't do a, the full rendering of those, but what mm-hmm. we did do a, an initial glance at them. So so that they, they did come into play here. Anyways, so those, those are the words that we looked up for the study. And with those verses that we did look up, none of them changed right. the conclusions that we had drawn right. from looking at the rest it, of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so then we looked up the, um, the Hebrew and the Aramaic and the Greek words that are translated from those. And so we're going to go through, through some of these for you right now. So the main one in the Hebrew is mentioned 210 times is Yare, uh, and it means to fear or be afraid uh, or to be uh, dreadful or full of dread. Uh, it can also mean to some, something that causes astonishment or awe or to be held in awe or to stand in awe of or be awed or to have a reverence for or to honor or to respect, uh, especially like with, with God. We also looked up Yura, which was 36 times in the um, Hebrew language, and that's... Uh, something awesome or a terrifying thing it can be an odd an object causing fear it also could be fear of god which is more of that respect and reverence or piety um it could be morally reverence or exceedingly fearful and then then we looked up so those and yare and yira kind of are you know connected words Mm -hmm. then we looked up uh pakad which is 10 times and that means terror or dread uh, or to have some alarm or great fear about something. And we also looked up uh, pocket, which is, again, very similar word, and that's, again, to just fear, tremble, revere, or dread, uh, also to be in awe of, to be afraid and stand in awe, or this idea of to make, to shake. This idea of shaking shows up in this word. Yep. Um, and then the other Hebrew word we listed here, uh, mora, was five times, and that can mean fear or terror, uh, but can also mean reverence or some sort of some sort of uh, awe-inspiring spectacle. We also looked up in the Greek uh, phobio, which was found forty-three times, and that's to put to flight by terrifying, so scaring something away. Um, to fear or be afraid, to be seized with alarm, um, to or also this idea of reverence, uh, to treat with deference or reverential obedience, or to be struck with amazement. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then and then a spinoff of that, uh, Phobos, forty times. Uh, is fear or dread or terror or something that strikes terror uh, or an, an, an exceeding fear or alarm or fright, but also can be a reverence. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were the, the, the main ones, so that the 83 of Phobos and Phobeo and then the ones that we mentioned here. But there were a ton of other words that are used you know, four times or three times or two times. And so we're going to kind of rapid fire through, uh, through these uh, if I can pull up my notes here, um, and s- some of the other definitions and concepts that we saw from uh, from from the, the study here. Um, so some of the other the nuances are to shiver or tremble or to be startled. Um, it also can be something terrible. It can um, worry or startle. 
uh, or to, to make something to make somebody hurry even. Yeah. Um, it can also mean to to make make somebody quake with fear or to get excited. And it can also be uh, cowardly or timid. Uh, or it can be to be gripped by a sudden fear or uh, ruin or terror or corruption or some fright or horror or atrocity or sudden terror. Or it can be to be shattered, filled with terror, disheartened, um, to be horrified, to be out of your senses, make haste. Or to have a repugnance for something or to be troubled or disturbed by something. Those are one of the lesser ones. Um, one of the things that we saw, well, so basically there were three things, three big themes or repetitions that, that came from each of these. One was that terror, dread, like a panickedness, mm-hmm. uh, some sort of like intense fright. Yeah. The second one was to be amazed by, stirred by, excited by, to be in awe of, or to even have a reverence for. Mm-hmm. And then the third one was to tremble or shake. Yeah. Those were the three things that we kept seeing um, come up again and again and again. Uh, and we thought that was really interesting. So one of the things, um, well, I'll, I'll leave it there at that until we get to the definition. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so those were the, the, the Hebrew and, and Aramaic and Greek words that we looked at. Then we looked at, we take, you know, Merriam-Webster and Farlex dictionaries, and we look up each of those phrases and words that we were just looking up, and we look up the definition so we can get further mm-hmm. uh, in the detail. Uh, and so from Merriam-Webster... Fear is an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger or a profound reverence or awe, especially towards God. And the idea of danger is some exposure to injury, pain, harm, or loss. To be afraid is to be filled with fear or apprehension, to be filled with concern or regret over an unwanted situation. And then apprehension is suspicion or fear, especially of a future evil. To tremble means to be affected with great fear or anxiety. And anxiety is an apprehensive uneasiness or nervousness, usually over an impending or anticipated ill. Uh, mentally distressing concern or interest, or a strong desire, sometimes mixed with doubt, fear, or uneasiness. Terror is a state of intense fear, and to terrify is to drive or impel by menacing or to fill with terror. And then terror, or I'm sorry, dread is to fear greatly, to feel extreme reluctance to meet or face something. There actually is an archaic definition of dread, which is to regard with awe. Hmm. So that was interesting. So we're seeing a... a you know, uh, confirmation here. Yeah. Uh, and then horror is a painful and intense fear, dread, or dismay. Panic is a sudden overpowering fright, or it can be acute, extreme anxiety. And then fright is fear excited by sudden danger. And then awe is an emotion variously combining dread, veneration, and wonder that is inspired by authority or sacred or sublime Veneration is to regard with a reverential respect or with admiring deference. Wonder is a cause of astonishment or admiration to marvel or have an intense interest in. Uh, It's a rapt attention or astonishment at something uh, awesomely mysterious or new to one's experience. And sublime means lofty, grand, or exalted. Uh, And then awesome is an extraordinary or inspiring awe. To revere is to show devoted, deferential honor to or regard as worthy of great honor. 
To be devoted is characterized by loyalty or dedication to a cause, ideal, purpose, or person. Faithful, unswerving allegiance and obligation to. Deference is respect and esteem due to, uh, due to due a superior or an elder. Respect or esteem is to consider the extreme worth of something or someone, to consider them in high regard. And to honor is to regard or treat someone with admiration and respect to give special recognition to. So where are we going with all this, right? So looking at the, the original languages, looking at these definitions as we were going through the study the first time, what really jumped out at us, and, and this is you know key to this whole episode, is it seemed, you know, because remember we always talk about we want, we want to let the Bible paint the picture it wants to paint. Mm-hmm. And so what we find is there's basically two types of fear in the Bible. And the Bible uses the, the same Hebrew and Greek words interchangeably for the two different definitions. Uh, and so in English, it, it'll say fear, but you have to use the context to figure out which definition it's talking about. Mm-hmm. And so what we have is, the what we're going to term these is one we're, we're going to call a less healthy, uh, panicked dread fear that results in trying to avoid or move away from that, that object. Then the other one is the more healthy, excited awe fear that results in you actually drawing toward that object. And so for the rest of the, um, the episode here, we're going to reference these two phrases. So there's this, this less healthy panicked dread, mm-hmm. and then there's the healthier excited awe. Uh, and, then, and we're going to unpack all those and, and, and go, through the, go through that. Um, what did you think of when you first saw kind of those two distinct ideas? Um, it was really interesting to see how often both of them are used. Like reading through all the definitions, we didn't really do all of the repeats. Mm-hmm. But as you look through all of these different words, it, those two categories are very prominent as you go through. And it's it was interesting because when you think of like fear of the Lord, typically um, I just thought of, like the panicked dread. Um, and so we need to recognize that God is really powerful. And so we need to like be afraid of him. Mm. Um, but this idea of excited awe really makes a lot of sense, especially with God. And so seeing where that fits into this. So, so let me go ahead and give these, the definition. So what is the definition of this kind of panicked dread type of fear? It's an unpleasant, intense uneasiness and uncertainty and or reluctance to experience some potential ill, pain, harm, or loss. And then that healthier, excited awe type of fear, this is a profound awe of God, intensely interested in his extraordinary superiority of good character, incredible deeds, divine authority, etc., resulting in an unswerving loyalty to him. So, So what you have is, the the dread type of fear, which is what we usually think of, the, uh, this this panic, sometimes even paralyzed, you, that some bad is, could happen or, or you don't know what's mm-hmm. going to happen. And so it creates that really just the nasty fear that none of us want. Yeah. And so, you know, many people who are probably listening to this episode, they might be listening because they experience a lot of fear in their life. And so they wanted to know what they're supposed to be doing about it um, because they don't want that in their life, right? Then we have this fear of the Lord, which is you are so intrigued with him 
and in awe of who he is and, and what he's doing that it just creates this excitement and this like unswerving loyalty towards. Mm-hmm. Um, so an example that we can, we can give with that is like, imagine you're taking your two nephews to Walt Disney one of them is more extroverted, you know, outgoing and assertive. The other is much more introverted and, you know, doesn't like the crowds, et cetera. And so let's say you guys are pulling into the parking lot there of, of, the, of Walt Disney and you look back and going back to this, those three concepts of, of like the, uh, the dread and, and the excitement and the trembling, the, both of them are shaking, hmm. but for two different reasons. The, the introvert, the introverted one is shaking a little bit in some of that dread fear because these are huge crowds. There's people everywhere. He's afraid that he might get, what if he gets lost and he gets separated from you? Um, you know, what if he can't get on one of the rides? What if the ride is really scary? Right. And so, so there's a little bit of shaking and dread. The other one is shaking in excitement mm-hmm. um, because he can't wait to actually get in and see all this stuff and try all these different rides and foods, you know, et cetera. Um, another way that, that, that we can explain this would be, or an, an analogy is imagine it was just you have one nephew that you brought in. And, you know, for example, I know that, that um, Walt Disney is going to be rolling out their new Star Wars world, mm-hmm. uh, I think in next fall, a year from now or so, which I'm personally pumped about because I'm a big Star Wars guy. Yeah. Um, but it, so imagine you've got somebody who is maybe more introverted, but loves Star Wars. And so they're kind of torn you know, internally, and they're, they're shaking a little bit in dread of the thought of being in these large crowds with all this craziness that's going on. Um, but they also are shaking in excitement with the fact that they get to see the Star Wars. Maybe they're going to get to see Chewbacca or C-3PO or R2-D2 or, or you know, whoever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Han Solo, da da So anyways, and so they're kind of going back and forth. If the excitement of Star Wars is stronger than that dread of being out in, in these, these publics and could get separated, then they're going to go. Mm-hmm. If the dread of the publicness outweighs the excitement of Star Wars, then they may not go, right? So you, so you can see how these two concepts play out just in life in general, yeah. and we saw that in Scripture. Um, so, so with that, the um, oh, another great passage that helps lay this out is from First Samuel. So this is First Samuel chapter twelve. It's verses fourteen through twenty-four. This was helpful when we did the study. Uh, there in verse fourteen, and then again in verse twenty-four. So kind of like um, uh, uh, what's the order? Bookends. Yeah, the bookends of that passage. It talks about fearing the Lord, but then right in the middle in verse twenty, there it says, "Fear not." And so it was this weird, you're supposed to fear God, but you're also not supposed to be afraid. So that was helpful for us. Mm -hmm. Okay, what does that mean? And so what we found was, because most of us had thought of this idea that to fear God is to at least be somewhat afraid of him. So I remember like me, after my prodigal son stage, and came back to the Lord and was reading through everything again. I was I was troubled by that that fear of the Lord. I'm like is is that am I supposed to be afraid of God? Because everything else that I was reading in the text was simply was seen to be saying you're not supposed to be afraid of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember when I first I don't remember where I saw this, but I came across that idea that you know fear of the Lord is a reverential awe. I was like, ooh that's much better. You know that, yeah. that that's what that means. But but how do I know? Am I you know does that just somebody came up with it because they also had a problem with the idea of being afraid of God, or is that really something? So then when we when we sat here and did the unpacking, we saw that no actually, actually there is something to that. Um, there's supposed to be the, this excitement. Um, one of the um, the debates that we had 
uh, as we went through the study was, so if this fear of the Lord is this more excitement than dread, is it all excitement and no dread, or is it like a 90-10? And the group was a little bit mixed on that, so we wanted to be honest as we're doing the recording here. Um, there's some that are going to hold to to fear the Lord is like that 90% uh, excitement about yeah. who he is, and then 10% a little bit of that dread. And it, it, that made sense to me. I'm like, okay, that, that's possible. But like, like, like we said, we want to go back to uh, letting the Bible paint the picture it wants to paint. And there were a series of verses that we came across about, you know, perfect love, cast out fear, um, fear not, you know, a bunch of these passages. I So you, the listener, are going to make the decision that you make. I lean towards it's 100-0. Mm-hmm. that it really does seem that we're supposed to, w- when it comes to God, it should be 100% just super excited, so excited you actually shake and tremble, um, and really no dread. And then, and then same thing with, with other stuff of life. That's, there should never be any dread because you have so much excitement for God. Now, having said that, what's the argument that people are going to make of why you need a little bit of dread? Uh, well, it helps you be aware of scenarios and actually helps keep you safe. If you have some dread of of things uh, like a madman coming at you or whatever, then you're going to be able to recognize that and then move away. So you need a little bit of dread because yeah. it'll help protect you. Mm-hmm. So so great logic, right? Mm-hmm. Um Going back to the anger study, remember we talked with some of the pushback. So, you know, our, our conclusion was is that anger has no role in the mature believer's life. They're supposed yeah. to rid themselves of all anger, and that righteous anger is a concept that's not really actually in Scripture. There's, let me go into all of it here. You can go mm-hmm. back and listen to the study. But we we talked about you know one of the pushbacks is oh, but you need anger. If you're not angry at sin, you won't counter it. And our pushback to that pushback was ah. We are supposed to grieve sin, and we are mm-hmm. supposed to have that hatred, that aversion to sin, and we are supposed to love people, which includes wanting them to improve. So what we found was if you're actually grieving sin and have that hatred and aversion to it, and you love that individual so much that you want them to improve, those three things will actually motivate you to uh, to, to tackle, to address the issue of sin. Mm-hmm. So you don't actually need the anger. You'll still address it without anger. So anger is not needed, yeah. right? So with that in mind, it's a similar principle here when, yes, if, if you have a bit of dread, that dread can help you know, protect you and keep you safe. But what we're finding is that you don't really need that. It's, and it's not just the excitement for God. What we'd say is that there is a healthy recognition of the potential danger. Mm-hmm. And so, so one of the things we're saying is if, if you're ridding yourself of all of the dread type of fear that doesn't mean you've become careless yeah or oblivious um and so the idea is as, as you're getting you know ex- excited about god and all that and you you are having that that healthy careful recognition of potential danger um then that will help you so we gave the example of like let's say some guy works in a big factory and he's working with this massive furnace um and he's got to put things through the furnace to, to you know to, to to do it um 
he doesn't need to have any fear or any kind of dread kind of fear um, for the furnace. In fact, that would probably not not be helpful at all, which is what we're going to find from the study. Um, He he does have a a healthy respect for it. He carefully recognizes the potential danger with it, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't really have the dread. So one of the things that we're going to break down here is helping you understand you want to move away from any type of the dread fear. Uh, That doesn't mean you've moved away from the healthy recognition of the danger. Yeah. And I think that's an important distinction to draw out because a lot of times we say, oh, no, no, we just have a healthy recognition of the danger, but we also have um, the panicked dread, mm-hmm. which there we also do want to recognize that there is a spectrum there. Like panicked dread is a very strong statement that is towards one end of what that looks like, um, just like nervousness and like there is a full full range of what that can look like it's not always 100 percent of the time you're panicked paralyzed like there is that range there but there is still um just because you have a healthy recognition of danger doesn't mean that you should also have the amount of dread right in addition to it and we're going to unpack that here in, in a moment so, so those were the so looking at the the original wording and the definitions, uh, it really helped clarify these these two different types of, of fear. Um, and so we knew as we then headed into all the scripture references, the nine hundred plus verses that we talked about, um, we knew there were some different questions that we wanted to be asking ourselves. So, you know, why should we or what should we know about fearing the Lord? Like, what is it exactly? Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that we should fear? When or what are we not to fear? What does unhealthy fear result in? How can we reduce or counter unhealthy fear in our lives? And is there anything else that we should know? You know, about this concept. So those were the questions that we had in mind as we went into this to the study itself, mm-hmm. and so we 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 split up all the verses, we poured over them, and so now we're gonna we're gonna share with you guys what what we learned from that. Um, so uh, oh, and also I'd say it is amazing how much this ties in with the flight, fight, persevere. Mm-hmm. Um, so without getting too much right now, flight, fight, perseveres is when you're facing a bad situation. There may be times when God calls you to flee and get away from that bad situation. There may be times when he calls you to fight it, where you step into it, you, you seek to erase it and delete it and cause it to cease. Mm-hmm. Or he may call you to persevere, which is to step into that bad and let the bad happen to you for some other greater good. Um, and so you, you can go back and listen to the Patience Perseverance episode here yep. in this season, or you can go back and listen to the Flight Fight Persevere episode back in season one, and we, we elaborate more on that. But that's definitely going to play into you know into, into all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So with that, what are what are some of the actual things that that we were learning? Um, the first thing is that there there is an inverse relationship between these two concepts, between the dread type of fear and, and the excited type of fear. Um, and so what we saw was as one increases, the other decreases. It seems that there's very little, if anything, that we are actually to, to have that dread fear of in, in the normal sense. So when some danger presents itself, it's our excited fear of the Lord and that healthy, careful recognition of the threat mm-hmm. that's going to lead to some prudent action or, or response. And so what we find is that fear is simply not needed. So this reminds me of, like, if you're watching um, uh, Discovery Channel or whatever and talk about the flight or fight principle, the general concept is that 
you need a little bit of that panicked dread type of fear. Maybe not in the extreme paralyzing mm-hmm. sense, but a little bit of it, um, because that's what's going to cause you to go away. One of the things that we're actually trying to present here is it looks like you don't really need any of it. As long as you have that healthy recognition, that's really all that you need. Yeah, because um, a little bit of the dread type of fear can actually motivate you to do things. Yeah, what, it can, yeah. What we're saying is it's not as effective as the motivation as just having a healthy um, excited awe of God and a healthy recognition of the threat. And so it's not that dread doesn't work at all. It's just that there's a more effective way to do it. And scripture says in many places to not be afraid, trust in the Lord. Um, and based on all of those passages, it really does seem that scripture is painting a picture of, yes, dread can be useful, but it's not nearly as effective as just relying um, and having that excited awe of God mm-hmm. and that healthy recognition that comes with that. So let's draw out the scale that we were talking about before. So imagine the scale, a horizontal line with a, a kind of split into two halves. Mm-hmm. And so one half is this this excited awe type of fear of God, yeah. just just so impressed with who he is uh, and just drawing into him, being lo- becoming loyal to him. And then the other half is that dread, panicked type of fear. And so what did the, the scale, it shows you there's a degreedness to this. Mm-hmm. So what we'll do is, is we'll do, um, if, if we were to number this, it'll go from 100, on, on like I'll say on the far right, down to, to zero, they're in the middle, and that's all the fear of the Lord. So if you're at a 100, you're just absolutely ecstatic about God. You're in such awe, such reverence, totally drawn to Him, totally loyal. That's that 100. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and there's two sliding mechanisms on the scale, right, on, on each half. Um, and then so zero would be you have none of that. Mm-hmm. Then with the dread type, if you're at the 100, which is the other far end, at the left end, um, that is like you're absolutely paralyzed mm-hmm. with that dread, panicked type of fear. Um, where if you're at a zero, then you have none of that. So, so the two outsides are at 100, and they come into zero there in the middle. And so it seems that as you move more to the right and you're getting closer to 100 of the fear of the Lord, you're actually moving closer to zero of the dread fear. Or if you go back the other direction, as you're moving uh, more to the 100 end of the dread fear and becoming penalized, that there's actually the inverse correlation that you're moving down to the zero of the fear of the Lord. Yeah, because as people, like um, these, these are really kind of the two options. And so you're either having a fear of the Lord or you're having this dread. And so if you have 100% fear of the Lord, then you have 0% dread. If you have 90% fear of the Lord, you have 10%. Mm-hmm. And so it's just that idea that you're sliding from a hundred and zero of your completely, uh, have fear of the Lord and zero dread to the other end is zero and a hundred. Right. You have no fear of the Lord and you're a hundred percent dread. And so just as we go through, um, we have this scale and we need to figure out where we're supposed to be in the scale. So let's, we're going to give you an analogy to help kind of, um, parse this out a bit. So imagine there's four individuals. They're all standing on a chair and they're about to do a trust fall and they've got, you know, a group of people around them. Um, so one of the people, they're 
closer at 100 in the panicked dread fear. So they're absolutely freaking out mm-hmm. um, about this this uh, fall. They don't, they don't want to do it. They're afraid they're going to get hurt because people aren't going to catch them, right, et cetera. Uh, are they going to do the trust fall? Probably not. Probably not. The second person, maybe they're at around, say, like 60 or 65 on this panic dread fear. So they do have quite a bit of anxiety. They are afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some, some anxiousness with, with this. Uh, and there's some fear there. Are they going to do the trust fall? Maybe, maybe not. There's other factors that we would have to look at to see. Yeah. Then you would move to the third person. This person's very courageous. And so we've always heard that definition that, you know, courage is not necessarily the absence of fear. It's the decision to act in the midst of fear. Mm-hmm. So this individual is maybe at like the, um, the 10, you know, or the 15. So they do have a little bit of fear, yeah. right? They do have a little bit of concern that there might be some danger in this. They might, might be harmed, but they also have courage. Uh, and so they, got, they, they decide, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to go ahead and do the trust fall, even though I have a little bit of, of fear. And we really admire those individuals. Yeah. So that's great. Then you have the fourth person and they're fearless, so they have zero amount of that of that dread type of fear. So you can imagine if, if we were to like uh, to videotape this and watch a timeline of it all, the um, the the very first person it's like at, you know ninety or hundred of the dread, they're probably not even climbing up on the chair. Yeah. Or if they do climb up, they very quickly get off it. The that second person that's say in the sixties on on the dread scale, they're going to get up in the chair. Then they're going to stay there for a while, <laughs> right? As they're trying to figure out what 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 do they want to do. People are going to be encouraging them, trying to convince them to go ahead and do it, you know, etc. Yeah. The third person that's got a little bit of fear, but they're courageous. They're going to get up there. There'll be a little bit of a pause, a little bit of, of of time, of kind of collecting themselves, taking a deep breath, maybe getting some encouragement, and then they do the fall. The fearless person just walks up on the chair and falls. Mm-hmm. Right? There's there's no time there because there's no fear. Oh yeah, I've done this a thousand times. I love it. Boom, you know, and they do it. Yeah. it the, the video that I showed you as we were prepping all this. So some of you may have seen it. I think this is a hysterical video. <laughs> I, I'm assuming it's a parent has uh, put it, has, there's a hallway and, and the hallway lights are off at the far end of the hallway. It's like a, like a T intersection. This is at a, at a home somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, at a house. There, there's a light on it and that, that the T intersection hallway. Anyways, they've placed this like scary looking doll uh, midway in that the long dark hallway where it's just standing there so you can kind of see the shadow of it right mm-hmm. and so whoever's filming this this parent or whoever is at the f- back end of this and they've got a camera kind of peeking around the uh the corner there and and they're waiting and so there's so there's the doll everything, everything's all super quiet and so a couple of seconds pass by and then two i don't know if they're brothers or cousins or friends or whatever, but these two boys come around and they're six seven yeah, eight young. nine years old somewhere <laughs> in there yeah they they come they they come around the corner and and they look and they and they see the doll there and of course it's you know it scares them so they both kind of jump one of them immediately keeps running down the T intersection into the hallway and doesn't come towards the doll right they they just yeah, run just barely they, the opposite they, I mean instantly they see it and kind of jump and then run away the other one you know sees it and jumps 
and then instantly charges <laughs> the doll and then kicks it as hard as he can. And it's just it's just hysterical. Uh-huh. It's just such a great video. So that kid was fearless, right? Because he didn't hesitate. There was the initial jump, yeah. but he didn't hesitate. And he just ran right at that doll. I was taking that doll out. He jumped back far enough to get a running start to go forward. It was <laughs> incredible. It's, it's really, really good. So so one of the things, so we, we spent quite a bit of time prepping this episode and we're talking it out and so what we what we want to talk about is that the courageous person and and a fearless person one of the things we want to recognize this degreed scaled nature of all this and and clearly nobody wants to be over at that 90 or 100 at that panicked full dread level Mm -hmm. um and really people don't even want to be at that that second position at the 65 where there's some dread and and then it becomes a question of uh do you want it enough you know or do you back out or whatever it seems that your goal is to move towards the courageous and so and we believe that god obviously is a big baby step type of God and that he meets people where they're at. Mm -hmm. And so if you are somebody that has a lot of fear in your life, um, and let's say maybe you're in the nineties, maybe you're in the seventies or sixties, wherever you, wherever you are, you kind of put yourself in that scale. Your goal is really to move just one to the, to the right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Um, but, and then keep taking step after step until you can get to that courageous spot where, yeah, sure. You still have uh, fear. You still have a hesitancy. There's still some uncertainty, but you have that courage to go ahead and act despite that fear. But we, what we want to say is we, you don't want to, that's not the end goal. The end goal is actually the fearless. And you want to move to the, to the point where, um, there's zero fear and you're just that kid running down, you know, towards the doll or you get up on the chair and instantly just fall, right? You're totally good to go. This is a lifelong process. This would probably be issue by issue and and concept by concept and season by season. Mm -hmm. But you, the goal, the end, we want to encourage you. The end goal is not just to, to, to be courageous in the midst of fear. The end goal is actually to get to the point where you're fearless. Yeah, and there's just two quick things that I want to elaborate on with that. The first is we can't be fearless by ourselves. Right. Courageousness, we do see unbelievers. They can be courageous. They can act in the midst of fear. Um, But I really don't think that you can actually become fearless unless you're replacing the fear with a fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, so, and that healthy recognition of the danger. Yeah, and so, but you can't get to having zero dread without replacing it with something else. It's just, I, I personally just don't think that that can happen. And that's one of the themes that we've done again and again in Rekindling, that it's not about like stopping the sin, it's more about finding the counter to the sin. Mm-hmm. So the same thing applies here. The goal is not to like, rid yourself of all fear as far as I just need through sheer willpower um, to get where that that fear never plays. The goal we want to encourage you with is, and and we're going to explain what all this stuff is, is to really embrace more fear of the Lord, Mm -hmm. more of that just excited awe of who he is. And because we found that inverse relationship, what we found is is getting more of that excited fear excited trembling of him mm-hmm. um, goes a long way in countering the dread type of quaking. Yeah. Right? And this is something that can only happen if we're walking in step with the spirit and being empowered by him. It's not something that like you were just saying, we're not going to will ourselves to do this. Um, and it's obviously going to be a long process. 
The second part is it's just part of the difference between a courageous person and a fearless person. With a courageous person, people watching tend to be impressed with what they actually do. So what they're capable of accomplishing. Mm -hmm. Because we recognize that that person's scared. um, But they're still doing whatever this thing is, even though they're afraid. Right. Which is very impressive. We we definitely don't want to diminish um, courage. With a fearless person, though, you're not as impressed at what they're doing. You're not impressed that a fearless person goes up and does the trust fall without blinking because they weren't scared. Like that, as you think through that, you're just not impressed by that. You're impressed that they didn't have fear in the first place. Yeah. And so it's just interesting, just part of that distinction there with courageous people, the things they do, that's impressive. But even the courageous person looks at the fearless person. And is impressed that they didn't have the fear in the first place. And so that's just one of the interesting nuances between those two things. So another way to say that is, let's say you're in the 90s and that dread fear. You want to look to the individuals that are in the 60s. where Because in the 90s, you're like paralyzed, mm-hmm. right? Like your life begins to shut down. And you don't want that. And so the, the initial goal is to not be paralyzed, to not have your life shut down by it. And so it's still hit and miss whether you act or not, but it hasn't ruined your life. Mm-hmm. So, so that individual that's in the 90s is looking to the individual that's in the 60s like, oh, I wish I was there because I wouldn't be paralyzed. But then the individual that's in the 60s still realizes that a lot of times they st- it's still kind of hit and miss whether they actually you know pursue on something. So they look to the person that's down at that 15 or 10 level and they're like, oh, I want to be like that person yeah. that, you know, because they, they still, you know, imagine like a soldier going off into battle and he rushes headlong in to protect his mates. That doesn't mean that he was fearless necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still had fear, but he chose to act in spite of that fear. So they're like, oh, I want to become like that individual. Um, and that even though I have a little bit of fear, I'm still going to act yeah. right, courageously. And they recognize that they're probably going to have to go from 60 to 40 to 30. They can't jump right, right from 60 to, to 15. 15. Yeah. But then the individual that's that, that is at the 10 or 15 where they do have a little bit of fear, but they're still acting. They actually look at the individual that's at zero that's just fearless and like, oh, I want to get there. Mm-hmm. And so it's just kind of cool watching, you know, that that scale. Um, now, one of the things that came up in our, our prep time was looking at the definitions and discussing this scale type thing. We started thinking about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before the crucifixion, where he was sweating uh, drops of blood mm-hmm. and said, Lord, you know, not, not my will be done, but your will be done. On the surface, it seemed that maybe he was a little bit scared of what was about to happen. Yeah. But we're like, but Jesus, it would seem that Jesus was fearless. So what was going on there? So we explored it a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we went and we looked back at the original passage and looked up some of the different words. And there all were all four of them. Yeah, Matthew, Mark, and John. Yeah. Yep. So we looked at all of the different passages that described this instance, and we saw words that had definitions that were actually talking more about sorrow and sadness and heaviness. Uh, heaviness. And so we started thinking through that, and we're like, okay, that seems to make a lot more sense because um, he was grieved. And different things like that. But the actual passage surrounding it doesn't describe what he was going through as um, fear. 
Right. And so that was important to keep in mind as we were thinking through, because as we were just talking, we're like, man, but Jesus was scared. And based on what we remembered about those passages, we had put fear into it. But when we actually went back and started looking up the different descriptions of Jesus in those passages, fear actually wasn't one of the things listed. Yeah, so I, I remembered, you know, a week before that, as he's coming into Jerusalem, he mourns for Jerusalem. He was just so sad how, how his nation of Israel had, had was rejecting him, right? Mm-hmm. Which had turning had turned from God. And so what we see is is that night before in the garden, and it's just kind of cool to take a moment, and this will help even with some, increasing some of that awe, the excited awe of God, that Jesus was sitting there in the garden praying, and he was intensely sad mm-hmm. and grieved that man was so lost, and that they were constantly, you know, we, we are our own worst enemies, right? We're constantly harming ourselves and harming each other. Mm-hmm. And he was, in, I mean, intensely sad and grieving over that he was also there was this major major heaviness that was weighing upon him because he knew what was about to happen Mm -hmm. so the he was about to get the divine all of the divine judgment placed upon him because he was taking all that sin of the world and putting upon himself and so there was just there was just this heaviness Mm -hmm. uh of just like what that was about to what, what that was about to be like right um and and then and then we talked about how you know we've been discussing recently in the know that God stuff that we're doing um, Jesus being tempted does that mean that he was just offered the sin or does it mean that he actually at some point wanted to do the sin but then never did mm-hmm. and there's two different camps in that we're kind of going back and forth I lean towards he actually wanted to uh, he actually experienced that desire and then resisted it which is not sinful. Right, having yeah. a desire to do something isn't sinful. It's acting on that desire. It's, so we want yeah. to carefully, right? Because he can't because he, he didn't have he never sinned. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea was, he was so it was such an intense sadness, and such an intense overwhelming heaviness mm-hmm. that he at, had a part of him, at, and this was his flesh, desired to forego it. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why he says, Lord, if if you know if if it, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me. Uh, but in the end, he doesn't act on it, and he mm-hmm. says, "But, but not my will; thy will be done." Yeah. And then he, you know, and he goes through it. So it's just amazing to think what he was actually experiencing there in human form the, the night before. It was mm-hmm. just crazy. But, but all that said, it was cool to know that, that there was never any fear. Yeah, uh, that was that he was fearless with that, which was cool. Yeah, because just with that, something uh, I recently heard David Platt speak, and he was talking about the judgment of God and saying that. Jesus was not a coward. He was not afraid of what the Roman soldiers were about to do to him the next day. He was recognizing the heaviness of taking God's judgment for the sins of the whole world. And that just really changes the tone mm -hmm. of that that whole um, scenario. So he wasn't really focused on the pain that was going to come from the beatings, Mm -hmm. nor even death itself. Yeah, it was actually what was going on behind all that. So the the object of his focus was was different. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, so. Some of the other details that we saw in the study, um, where does fear, this dread type of fear, come from? One of the things you have to understand is it's part of our natural disposition. Mm-hmm. Because we're made of dust, uh, because we're flesh, it's, it's, it's an innate part of the human nature is to have fear. So don't be surprised when you do experience this dread type of fear. It's our natural disposition. 
Yeah. And fear also comes from doubt, a lack of faith and trust. And I would even add in here uncertainty, Mm -hmm. just not be like fear really comes from us as humans wanting to know what's going to happen, not being aware of that. And it causes us to have this faith, this lack of faith and not be trusting in uh, the promises that we have of God, what we know about um, just our eternal perspective and those sorts of things. Yeah. So and so because life is so complex you're always going to have, uh, almost always, uncertainty. You're not always going to have all the answers. Um, and now, of course, when it comes to people, people have constantly proved themselves, you know, untrustworthy. Yeah. Um, and so, again, duh, it makes sense that we have this this dread type of fear. Um, and then another another thing that fear comes from is suspicion or confusion or not understanding well. So even like in the grieving study, remember one of the steps was to begin to see clearly. Mm-hmm. So if you're seeing more clearly and less distortedly, you can make better decisions. So because we have a distorted perception of things, uh, and because we don't we have the uncertainty, we don't have all the answers. All these things combine, and so when you look at this, you realize, oh well, then of course fear is everywhere. So for example. If you're listening to the study and you're somebody who experiences a lot of this dread type of fear, uh, and maybe you're beating yourself up a little bit, maybe you're not, but maybe you're beating yourself up a bit because you're not like other people. You're this, this scaredy cat or whatever. Don't beat yourself up. It is the natural inclination. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people, it may look like they don't have fear, but they, they do. Yeah. Um, so just want to, we're not saying we're not giving you freedom to have the dread fear, but we are, we are saying that it is the natural disposition of humans. Yeah. Uh, and so don't, don't be too hard on yourself that you're dealing with it. This doesn't mean stay there. We still want to move in that scale. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. Cause this really relates kind of back to the idea of money fields and just some people have certain tendencies towards different things. Um, just that some people yeah. are wired and they are more fearful. They see different scenarios, different possibilities, and they're uncertain. They're worried about what could happen. And that's where others just, have some other money field. Yeah. And that's just the tendency they have. Yep. And it's just a different tendency than what someone else has. Um, because a lot of times on the flip side of that, if you're not um if you're not a fearful person, you tend to be a very confident person, which makes you um, very quickly a very prideful person. Mm-hmm. And so, so personally, that that's more of where I would struggle yeah. is just being like, no, it's fine. We're just going to go and do this and just self-reliance, which is equally turning away from God into something else. It's just it just plays itself out differently. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the questions that we were looking at was, what are we supposed to have a dread fear of? And this goes back to like, you know, people want to make the argument, you should have a little bit of dread fear. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. Right. Um, what we found was that some of the specifics do not fear God, mm-hmm. uh, do not have a dread fear of God and do not have a dread fear about what he is directing you to do, which was really helpful. Uh, that was kind of cool to see. Um, and so that, that, that reemphasized it's this excited fear, not the dread fear. Yeah. Um, and we're also not supposed to have a dread fear of angels, demons, men, or their reproach and judgment, which is a very broad category. Um, but just the different agents going back to the inner determinism study, just yeah. all of these different ways that evil can be brought into the world. Uh, and not not just evil, but we're not supposed to be afraid of 
all of these different things. And that the uh, man's reproach or judgment was actually many, many verses that talk about don't don't be afraid of that. Um, and then also don't have any dread fear about any calamity or disaster. And that, again, that's a broad category. Uh, there can be a bunch of different things. So really, as we went through the study, we didn't find anything that you're supposed to have a dread fear of. Um, one might argue, well, you're not supposed to have the intense dread fear of, but you might have a mild dread fear. Maybe, but overall, the picture that was being painted was moving down to zero in that fearlessness, yeah, in, because, in that dread fearlessness. Yeah, and that relates back to the sliding scale we were talking about because we all recognize that being at like a 99, you're always dreading pretty much everything. That's not good. So we want to move down. And it's interesting because once we get around 10, uh, we have a tendency to say, well, this is okay. See, because we've moved all the way from 99 to now we're just at 10. And so this is healthy. But just my question would be, well, why not just move 10 more to zero? Right. Wouldn't that even be more helpful than if it's been helpful all the way up to this point? Why is this the stopping point for where we need to not be just completely fearing the Lord. Right, and some people might think it's not possible. Yeah. Um, and, and we, we want to reiterate again on this, this two-part scale, you're not grabbing the, the scale piece on the dread fear side, and you're not, you're not moving it from 90 down to 60, down to 50, down to 15, down to zero. You're not actually touching it. Hmm. You're actually over, and we're going we're gonna to going to shortly but you're over on the other half of the scale with the uh, fear of the lord that that excited trembling you actually have your hand on that scale and you're moving it you you and god and others community um scripture prayer all that stuff that you all of you guys together are moving that excited fear of the lord and as you're doing that then the dread fear scale goes with it and a lot of times I think we do want to be honest and say, because it is, what we can actually do is we can increase our fear of the Lord. Absolutely, that's what we can do. It's not necessarily always immediately a one-to-one with right. um, our dread coming down with it. That's a good point. We really, a lot, we want it to be that way. We want it to be, well, if I just move this one up a notch, this one will move down a notch. And theoretically, that is how the tendency tends to be. But it's not going to be a one to one. That that and is, not immediate. Yeah, it's not going to be an immediate one to one. But there really does seem to be as we're growing in our fear for the Lord, then um, our tendency to have this dread fear can begin to come down and match it. And that that makes it hard for us um, because we like to see the instant results. Mm-hmm. And if we don't see the instant results, then it doesn't work. And we don't like to be told you got to keep at it for a long time, but that is the typical pattern mm-hmm. within you know Christian Christian living. Um, so then another thing that we were observing is what does dread fear result in? So if you you know what what's so bad about having dread fear? And we, we saw a number of things that will happen if the the more dread fear you have, the more these type of things happen. One is is you take you take your eyes off of God. Because your eyes are focused on whatever the object of that dread is, mm-hmm. and therefore they're not on God. Also, it can result in you feeling tormented. Uh, just And this really is directly, real, directly related to taking your eyes off God and focusing on whatever that thing is. You just really focus in on that and feel tormented by whatever that yeah, is. Yeah, more internal chaos, mm-hmm. terror, etc. 
Uh, a third thing is it increases the chances of you fleeing or running away or being paralyzed with inaction or talking foolishly. There were several different verses that, that we saw that talked about that, that that dread fear triggers those things, triggers fleeing or paralyzed or foolish talking. Yeah, it also can hinder the work that we're supposed to be doing or the work of others. So think about, for example, um, if you're drowning and you begin panicking, you're hindering the work of the person that was trying to, you know, uh, pull you out, mm-hmm. uh, that you need to re- try to remain. Again, easier said than done, but yeah. need to remain as calm as you can. Um, uh, another little side note, a lot of times, you know, we've talked about people want to come up with extreme examples to counter the points that we're trying to make. This is one of those things where, like, you know, are you saying that if I'm drowning or some shark is biting my leg, I'm not supposed to have any dread? I understand that in the moment, because we're human, you're going to have that. Yeah. We're talking about big picture overall. Uh, we're not dealing with the extreme examples right now um, that we can address those later, you, you know, years down the road. Because you are going to have individuals that, that remain calm in the midst of some bear attack, you know, or, or shark attack or whatever. Yeah, and the question is, is your dread of the shark attack going to be more effective in motivating you than a healthy recognition of the danger that comes with the fear of the Lord. Right. No, no and, it wouldn't. And the answer to that is it really doesn't. Right, because you'll make more foolish decisions, more likely. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that dread fear results in, it makes it difficult for God to use you. So if you're paralyzed in fear, you're going through that, that dread, panic type of fear, um, God will come for you. He's still there with you. But it, it is hindering his use of you. And I remember when we did the study, one of the girls, so you know how like, like for example, you have, you know, everyone has their muddy field. So whether it's fear, or lust, or whatever it is, you don't want it, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want it to, to fall in that area and do that sin. Um, and you have some motivation to not do it, but you still struggle with it. And I have found it in my life. Then you come across some other motivation that really goes a long way. So one of the girls in the study, you know, she was taking the study because she experienced a lot of fear and was afraid all the time. And so she knew that she didn't want to be afraid, mm-hmm. but she still was. When we came across this point here that mm-hmm. it hinders, like, it, it makes it more difficult for God. God can still use you, yeah. but it does make it much more difficult. That resonated with her. That that really clicked with her. Uh, and so she's like, man, I really want God to be able to use me. And so understanding that fear can hinder that really begin to click. That's how it was with patience for me. When I first went through the patience study and was realizing what patience was, I'm like, I don't want it. I mean, I don't want this. Like I know I'm yeah. supposed to have patience, but I don't really, why do I want to endure bad, you know, like, and refrain from enforcing what is right or do. Um, but then I was reading about, um, uh, talking about, I think I, James or Hebrews, but I'm paraphrasing it. Basically, if you are, are impatient, God really can't be using you in the moment. Hmm. And I had gotten to such a place in my walk that I wanted to be this reliable servant of God, that God could just say, oh, hey, let's, let's go to Shannon. Shannon can, can help me with this. Um, but if I'm being impatient, then he can't, he can't turn to me on that. Um, that really hit me. And so that wanted to, to drive me more to be more, to, to embrace more patience in my life. Mm-hmm. And it also uh, makes it so we miss out on other blessings, which again, just fits right back into if it's more difficult for God to use us, then he's less likely to use us. And we're going to miss out on the blessings that come from being used and the blessings that come from being completely reliant on him instead of uh, just being fearful. 
So we already know that you know we don't we don't want to be fearful. We don't want to be afraid or terrorized. Um, but getting to see some of the specific uh, causes or results of, of that kind of dread fear just just hammers that point home even more, mm-hmm. right? And and in the in the same vein, in a similar fashion, if you don't have the fear of the Lord. We saw verses that talk about these are the results that will come if, if you don't have that. So one, it, uh, there was a verse, a couple of verses about your heart will be hardened. Yeah. So it seems that having more of that excited uh, awe of God and being drawn towards Him and being more loyal and committed to Him, it softens your heart. And so inversely, if you're not doing that, it hardens your heart. Additionally, uh, you're going to have a tendency to wander from him and his word. If you're not actually growing in your adoration and reverence of God, yep. then you're going to go the opposite direction. And um, that has a whole bunch more results that come from that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also, and this is kind of a dull one, but the if, if you're not having as much fear of the Lord, you're also not be having as much peace. Um, and that, and so not, and, and we're going to actually. I forget in an episode or two, we're going to be unpacking peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what is that? And that's a really cool thing. But peace is the absence of any kind of angst or anxiety, you know, uh, internally. It's that internal, uh, internally prosperous. Um, yeah. And so if you don't have the excited fear of the Lord, you don't have as much peace. And then that's why the dread fear can move in more. And that's why you see that, that inverse relationship. Um, and then one little side note on this. Um, we did come across a verse or two. What was the one that we ended up looking up uh, with the the terrorizing Sam? It was, it was Saul. Yeah, so it was, it yep. was in First Samuel, First yep. uh, Samuel sixteen, I think, is what it was. There was a verse that talked about uh, Saul. Of course, had been wandering away from God. It says the spirit of the Lord left him, and then it said an evil spirit from the Lord began to terrorize mm-hmm. him. And that was really weird. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, one of the things that we were seeing overall was that God doesn't ever want us to experience that dread kind of fear. Mm-hmm. But then he actually sends this evil spirit to Saul to terrorize Saul. And it seems sort of a contradiction, at least on the surface. So without going too much into it, um, what we realized was as you're walking with God, he wants zero dread in your life. He wants zero terror. Mm-hmm. He wants zero of any of that of that normal kind of fear. Um, but if you're not walking with him, it's, it's a bit ironic and this was super rare. So we always talked about like anger is a tool that God uses and it's, it's sort of a, it's not, it's not a common tool. Yeah, yeah. Um, this terror can less? be a tool. It's even less common. It's even super rare, but there might be the occasion or two where God terrorizes an individual who's not walking with God, but he does such an intense, intent, terrorizing, intense terrorizing. The point, remember how we talked about the point of anger is to actually, it's a restorative punishment to bring you back to him. Mm-hmm. So God can occasionally use some sort of intense terrorizing to bring you back to him. And then once you're back with him, it's an, it's an, uh, an, an erasure of all mm-hmm. terror. So we just, we wanted to, we don't, one of the things that is important for Zach and I and the other individuals that do these unpacking studies is it's easy to put a spin on things. Mm-hmm. And we want to, you know, we want to try to prove our point, our conclusion that we have. And so you, you record this podcast, you put together this workshop and you present all that. And you know, when you've done the studies, there's a couple things that would actually counter that or temper it or add some nuance Mm -hmm. or qualifications to it. Well, that starts to get complicated. And so you simply just don't address those things. Well, for us, we don't feel that's honest uh, or there's, there's no integrity in that. 
And so there are times like, you know, where we're going through some study and we're leaning this direction, but then we come across some passages that pull us back a little bit. Well, we want them to, to we want to be honest with that let it, and let it pull back. And so we want to address it. So like in a situation where there's some examples of God terrorizing individuals, it'd be easier for us simply not to bring that up mm-hmm. uh, and just talk about how God doesn't want you to experience any dread or terror whatsoever. Yeah. But then we know there's certain individuals that know scripture really well. And they're like, uh, wait a minute, I have an exception to that mm-hmm. uh, where God terrorized Saul with his evil spirit. And um, then for them, it looks like we're purposefully deleting things to kind of prove our point. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to do that. Um, so that's why we went ahead and, and brought this up and touched on how does that play into, you know, everything that, that we've been going through. So one of the things I would encourage you, to, the listener, is you're, is you're doing some study on your own or you're wrestling with some issue in, in Scripture and you're coming to some conclusion. Then there's some but verses hmm. or some qualifying verses. Don't ignore them. Yeah. Address them and bring them into your theology because they're scripture. They're still true. And so you may have to adjust your conclusion a little bit and temper it in some way or move it in a, the needle back in some way. Yeah. But to me, you're being much more honest with the text there. Because a lot of times we want to be right. We don't necessarily want to be accurate. Um, and yeah, so we, we do, I mean, we want to be generally accurate we want to be in the right area, but we also just want to prove our point, um, which that starts a very dangerous path, um, because you just start ignoring such the trouble spots of scripture. Yep. Um, and there are a lot of tensions in scripture. There's a lot of things that don't make sense and don't seem to work well together. And we just need to recognize that. We do want to explain concepts as thoroughly as we can. Um, and a lot of times there will be different aspects of the different things like the anger study a couple weeks ago, I can remember specifically, we spent a long time discussing all of the different factors of that. And just even in our conversation, bringing up different nuances. Well, what about this verse? What about this weird verse in the Old Testament? Uh, like there's a lot of different things and we don't go through that process in the actual podcasts, um, but it is still present, and we do want to be accurate yep. with what we're actually presenting. Yeah, because we don't want to avoid the trouble spots or the tension. We want to address them. This is why I really enjoy it when we do an unpacking, and there's five or six or ten people in there that all are kind of coming at it from different directions, like, like, like Craig. Mm-hmm. Craig and I are similar on a lot of things. We're also quite different on things. And so what's cool is instead of us attacking each other on those differences, we use to play off each other and kind of like, like imagine like we're both holding onto a rope on a, on a narrow uh, ledge. And so we're actually, even though we're pulling against each other, it's actually keeping either one of us from falling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like that. And so I like it when we have different people cause they can break. Oh, but guys, like I know you're, I know you want to move to that direction, but we can't quite move to that degree because of these issues. And then they kind of pull you back a bit. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, we, cause Tori was, was supposed to do this with us and her schedule didn't, didn't allow it. That's why normally we try to have more than just the two of us as we do these recordings. But, but so we want you to know uh, that we do try to actually go through all the different tensions and trouble areas. Um, and so when we come to these conclusions, they've usually really been hashed out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've tried to consider all the different factors that, that are involved with that. So um, hopefully that, that will a- encourage you. Um, all right. So, so those are some of the things that happen 
some of the results if you have that dread fear or you don't have um, the excited fear of the Lord. So what are some of the results if you're getting away from the dread fear and you're actually getting more and more of that excited awe fear of the Lord? What are some of the results? And so we found we found quite a few cool ones here. Um, one, keeping in mind that, that benefits aren't always for you. There's also benefits for other people, including God. So we found that, that fear of the Lord, it actually blesses God. There were a couple different passages that talk about it blessed him or it pleased him when one had fear of the Lord. Um, and he, it, it, there was a couple of verses that he would remember his covenant. So the Israel was starting astray. One of the prophets or one of the leaders was really just getting that excited awe and reverence of God. Mm-hmm. And it really pleased him. And he, and it would say he remembered his covenant and he didn't, you know, strike them down, etc. Yeah. Also, uh, a result of fearing the Lord is that we obediently walk on the right path and we desire to do good. So what does doing good really look like? It can look like a lot of different things, but we worship and serve God, not other things. We keep our focus on him instead of trying to turn to other things. It also results in us giving generously, um, just being empowered by the spirit to go and do those things. It also allows us to teach our children well, Uh, just the next generation coming up behind us, being able to properly equip them in truth. If we are uh, just focused on God reverentially in awe of him, we can actually pass that on. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's something that the fear of the Lord can result in. And we also can eat of the fruit of our labor. Uh, We can just see a lot of different ways that um, when we're sowing seeds of righteousness, we can see the fruit of that show up later on in life. And just this allows us um, to just all of the different fruit of the spirit. Just we can really see that as we're actually walking in step with the spirit. And that could be fruit of the spirit could just be fruit of labor in general, yeah. different ways approaches. Um, then a, another benefit, so this goes back to the grace study, and that turns out that there is the unmerited favor. There's also merited favor, we mm-hmm. found in that study. This this uh, shows it here, that when you're fearing the Lord, when you are becoming more in awe of Him and excited, like, you, like so excited you shake, mm-hmm. right? And so you're being drawn to Him and you're committed just to following Him. Um, you actually entreat his favor in that process. And so there is the merited favor, and he's going to show you favor because of that. Uh, he's going to fulfill any godly desires that you have, or he's going to offer you some reward or benefit or blessing or good. There's a whole long list that we saw from the, from the verses that fear the Lord can result in more knowledge and understanding and wisdom, more joy, more peace. You'll feel more comforted, more healing. You'll be more edified and built up. You'll find refuge, rest. You'll sleep unafraid. You'll have a steady and soft heart. You'll be strong and courageous that casts out that dread fear. Um, You'll turn away from evil. You'll not be visited by harm. You'll conquer and triumph over your intimidated or anguished enemies. You'll have uh, uh, it'll prolong life and riches. Uh, It'll bring about holiness to completion. Now, as I say that, these are not hardcore one-to-one prosperity gospel formulas. Okay. These are generalities. So like when, you, when you read the book of Proverbs, you'll always can find exceptions to the mm-hmm. rule there, but that's the general rule. So same thing here. The general rule is the more that you are really delighting in God in this excitement, the more good's going to come. We want to be really careful when we say that because we we're not prosperity gospel individuals. There are multiple passages that showed that conditionality, that if-then. Mm-hmm. Um, this doesn't mean that if somebody's super successful and they have riches, it's because they're fearing the Lord. 
Uh, it doesn't mean if somebody else is going through some poverty or some tough challenges that they're not fearing the Lord. You can't argue the opposite from that. Yeah. But there were enough verses to show that it is a general rule. There definitely is something to it. And that goes back to um, the justice study. We're not supposed to hold to a simple view of justice. We don't want to hold to a simple view of this either. Right. That it's either um, you're dreading or you are reverentially fearing the Lord and your life's fine. Like it's, it's, it's not just that, not yeah. that simple. There is different complexity to it. And like we said in the uh, the grace study with the merited favor and unmerited favor, the unmerited favor, the just the gift giving because God delights in you, that's like 80-90% of what grace and favor mm-hmm. is all about. Then there is the 10 or 20% of the time that there is the merited, right? So it's not an equal 50-50 type thing. Yeah. But the fear of the Lord, in addition to uh, those things that we've talked about so far, it also allows for strong community and really fosters that. Um, rulers who fear the Lord are like refreshing rain. That was one of the verses uh, that we looked up. And also, as a part of the strong community, we will be honored by godly people and we can have them as our companions. Um, and it also can not just um, help edify those around us in our community. It can also expand the community. Mm-hmm. It can bring others to God and persuade them. If we're actually living affected by this lifestyle um, and living just with this as our focus, it actually can be persuasive to those around us. So we've been talking about these two types of fear, this panicked dread type fear and this excited awe type fear, both trembling, mm-hmm. both shaking, just for different reasons. We talked about how there's degrees to all that. So there's a scale from kind of zero to 100. So it's not either that you have fear of the Lord or you don't. Mm-hmm. It's not that you have that dread fear or you don't. There's definitely degrees to all of it. Um, we talked about the idea of the dread fear is it's not good. It's never good. So don't have it. And so wherever you are on that scale, you want to move toward the right where you're becoming less and less, you're having less and less of that dread fear. So you go from the panic paralyzed state to like the kind of torn internal battle stage to the courageous acting in the midst of your fear stage to the fearless stage. Right. We've also talked about um, the the inverse relationship between the fear of the Lord and that kind of fear that you're not, you're not trying to just get less fear on your own. You're actually trying to get more of the fear of the Lord that will then move you in that direction. We also talked about, um, that, that as you become less of that dread fear, it does not mean that you become careless, that you still have that healthy recognition of the potential danger and, and you're still careful. Yeah. And, uh, one other thing that I wanted to add is the idea that this isn't when we talk about moving down from having a lot of dread fear to uh, not having dread fear. This isn't like just an overall you're going to do this. This really is a situation by situation type right, of thing. Right. And so it will likely as we move down uh, and grow in our fear of the Lord, it's going to allow a lot of the smaller scenarios um, us to be more frequent in avoiding f- uh, dread fear in those scenarios. Like we'll be able to be yep. more consistent with it, but that doesn't mean that when, um, and different people will categorize these different ways, but when a big fear quote unquote shows up that we're going to automatically be able to um, 
be at the same place with that. This really is something that um, as we're growing in our fear of the Lord, our dread fear will be decreasing. um, But we need to not be surprised if there are still instances where the general pattern that we've been seeing isn't being met. Right, because it's not the one-to-one. It's a a case-by-case, et cetera. So, so we've been discussing all that and we've been discussing, you know, and so here's the, the bad things that the bad results that come from having dread fear to whatever degree. And then here's some awesome good benefits and blessings that come from having a, a, a fear of the, the excited fear of the Lord to different degrees. Mm-hmm. So now we can get to, well, how do I, how do I get fear of the Lord? Um, now I also, there might be some of you that are listening that are like, I don't know if I'm buying that the more I pursue this excited fear of the Lord, the more it'll help me counter and decrease the dreaded fear. What I would say is give it a shot. Hmm. And again, it's not an instantaneous thing, but it was, it, you know, we, we always talk about, we want to let the Bible paint the picture that it wants to paint. And this seemed to be one of the things that it was painting, um, that it was less about stopping any sort of dread fear and more about pursuing the excited fear of God, which will then help with a dread fear. Right. So anyways, we wanted to get into a little bit of what does that look like? So where does the fear of the Lord come from or how does one get more fear of the Lord? Because it's not just like all of a sudden you just make yourself excited. Mm-hmm. You can't just choose. You know, I don't think you just choose it. I think it's a process. Yeah. And so we found some really cool things that can help with that. So one of them is understanding and not forgetting. That's two different things, right? Mm-hmm. Understanding and then continually not forgetting. So constantly remembering. His presence, his character, his might, his deeds, etc. So this is really like the, all this the rekindling, whether it is is the, the lenses in season one or other stuff in season two, or the unpacking here in season three. You know, we'll be doing. Um, we're in the process of developing that know thy God uh, class. Mm-hmm. It'll probably come out in twenty twenty. So season four is going to be uh, that study and then season five the plan is this may change but the plan is to actually get into all the script like books of the bible so we'll go through genesis and exodus and job and revelation you know and all those um all of that is wrapped around this idea of getting to understand god better so if you go back to rekindling ministries that were rekindling our passions for god others and self mm-hmm. um it goes back to this saint antoine de saint uxbury quote that if you want to build a boat, you know, don't just collect people and assign them tasks, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. So one of my my personal passions and goals of this ministry is that we're stirring up those passions for God, that ocean awe, uh, and for ourselves and for others, so that we can then turn to this meticulous boat building or kingdom building or church building, whatever phrase you want to use, um, building of the church. <laughs> Anyways. Um, because that 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 was part of my journey was you know grew up in the church and then had my twenties and my, my prodigal son states so I want to do life my way so bartending and sleeping around and drugs and all that kind of stuff and then by the end of my twenties like well, this isn't working I'm not I'm not enjoying this life hmm. I, I'm not as good at taking care of myself as I thought I was and I knew that I needed God and that was it was a desperation thing but I knew God you need to come back in my life and so start so just made that commitment that was in April o two again. Um, and recommitted to him and then started reading scripture and started praying more. And then my eyes were just open. I started seeing the Bible in color. It was just, it was just freaking amazing to me. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so it's been this amazing journey that I've been on. The more that I've actually understood who he is, his character, all these unpacking things. Um, 
the more that I've understood that, the more in awe I really have been of him. Uh, and it has really made me excited. And then that's helped me because it says, and then also his presence, getting into the prayer study that we did earlier this season. Mm-hmm. Um getting into just experiencing God and the ex- and, and beginning to listen to him, which is a whole can of worms of what does that mean, you know, hear, hearing his voice. Um, but all of that really does increase my excitement of him. Yeah, and it's interesting because I've heard it said that you can only love something as well as you know about them. Mm. And so understand, like, our knowledge of something and understanding of something is directly related to how well we can actually love yeah. Um, and so as we learn all of these different things about God and we understand just his character and his might and his deeds and all of these different things, we can begin to have just such a deep appreciation and uh, love and just all of these different, all of the different things that love entails towards him um, because we understand all of his different characteristics. Yep. It's just such a powerful thing that really does allow us to fear him even more. Yep. In addition to that, uh, fear of the Lord also can come from expecting and experiencing his good. And so as we learn what God's all about, why um, just some of the different core attributes of him, how he dynamically interacts with us as people and those around us, we can expect him to be good in those scenarios. We can uh, see that he's not um, just an angry God that it just gets mad and strikes people down. He wants to restore people to himself. He see we can just see all of these different things, and once we begin to expect to see those things, then we'll be able to really experience them. It's kind of the idea of um, when you get a new car, you begin to recognize all of the different people that drive the same car as you yeah. as you're driving around. Yeah, because now you're actually aware of it, yep. so you can see it. The guy on radar. You. Yeah, yeah, and that goes back to the good study, right? It's something beneficial mm-hmm. that he wants to contribute to your well-being. Um, and then, and you mentioned this, but uh, loving him and being loved by him. And so this goes back to the love study that you can listen to that episode on that heart, soul, mind, and strength. So there's the delight, there's the commitment, there's that internal disposition toward and understanding, uh, and then there's like contributing to the well-being. So the more you're letting God love you and the more you're loving him in return, that also increases your fear of him. And, and think about that for a second. Most of us have probably been taught at some point that that fear of the Lord does include a little bit of that dread. But we're seeing here, the more you're getting to actually understand who he is and his character and actually experience his presence, the more you're being loved by him and loving him in return, the more you're letting him contribute to your well-being. These are all things that would increase your fear of him. Hmm. So we're, 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 we're taking back that definition of, of what that fear of the Lord means. Yeah. And then it also comes from trusting and relying in God. And so standing in confidence in just who he is, the things that he's done. Um, and just, I think this idea of trust is really important with big, yes, the big. discussion on dread fear um, because it comes, I, I think, and I, I don't want to oversimplify it, but I do think that a lot of times dread fear can come from a lack of trust in God, mm-hmm. um, which it is more complicated than that. And right, I right. want to recognize that. There is an element. To it. Um, but there definitely is an element that we are focusing on just right now and what we can see and not trusting in um, God and seeing more of that eternal perspective. Mm -hmm. And so I really do think that 
um, just that trust. And then also the idea of reliance. If we're relying on him, we're going to be able to um, just fear him even more. And a, a lot of these things are just a cycle where once yep. you start, yep. it builds on itself and then it helps build yep, that. Very so, much so. Um, it just really does help us get more of that fear of the Lord. Yep. Um, as we were doing the study, going through the verses, we saw that knowing his voice and getting more of that clear vision and, and discernment and then obeying that voice, um, this will also contribute towards this excited fear of him. Mm-hmm. Also, this godly grief and repentance. Uh, when we see wrong being done uh, to others, when we wrong others, um, just having that heart of repentance, wanting to change our mind to affect our actions and how we actually view things. And remember how we've discussed this several times now in several different episodes with the sin study and then the last episode on putting it all together. This That when you sin, the first thing you should do is grievingly acknowledge it mm-hmm. um, and then receive his love and forgiveness and then renew that steadfast spirit. So with repentance, you're changing your thinking and you're changing your behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, that will in, will contribute to you getting more excited about him which is which is really cool um calling on him in humility and remember humility well we, so we haven't done the unpacking we've done the unpacking study we haven't recorded the episode yet and we'll be doing that later this season mm-hmm. um, but biblical humility is kneeling before god in adoration security and submission uh and so that also contributes to this this uh, uh excitement and this this the stirring awe and reverence for god and really all of this um, is helped by community, just fear of the Lord and all of these individual things. And community is something that for a long time I never really saw as valuable. Like I saw that it was something that was kind of cool and um, it's nice that like we have Bible studies and things. But this idea of we're not supposed to do life on our own, we're supposed to do it in community, really goes back to Genesis. And uh, we were talking about this in one of my classes Throughout creation, God created things, and he said that it was good. Just repeatedly while going through the creation narrative, there's one thing that's not good. In Genesis 2.18, the Lord says that it's not good for man to be alone. Mm -hmm. And right there, he ends up creating Eve and institutes marriage. Um, But even in a broader sense, there is something to be said about the community of the triune God Mm -hmm. and the community that he desires for humans to have. It's not good that Adam was by himself. He needed to have community. And I think a lot of times in my own life, I've minimized that um, because I kind of want to do things on my own. I want to just do what I want. But just recognizing that community isn't just a tagline that we throw on things. Right. It really is something deeply embedded in the heart of God, and we see it all the way back in creation. Yeah. So those are some of the things that that if you're pursuing all those things, different degrees, different times, et cetera, they're all going to contribute to this you having a much greater fear of the Lord, a much greater excitement and awe, so much so that you can begin to shake in that excitement, which will then result in all those benefits that we were talking about. So the other other little detail that we'll add here from the study is, is, is this kind of excitement fear is the only thing we're supposed to, the, is the only thing we're supposed to have excited fear about is God. No, there's other things that you can have excited fear about. Uh, so, for example, th- there were some passages that talk about you need to revere those that God has exalted and established in authority. So you need to have uh, some sort of reverence or even excitement towards those he's placed in authority. 
also we should have awe for true Christian living and all that it entails. Just when we actually see what it looks like to be a committed water walking follower of Christ, Mm -hmm. we should see, and even a wind walker, um, just see the benefit in that and desire um, to do that and to have all for it. And, and I have found that the more that I've understood water walking and all that that entails, the more excited I've got mm-hmm. right with it all. Uh, and then also just have an awe for all of his creation. Yeah. And so you can actually get excited about the, the sunsets, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and it, by his creation does include people and mm-hmm. animals and we should be excited, you know, about those, th- those things as well. Um, and so that, that, I just wanted to touch on that, that, that real quick, um, of other things that we can, we can be excited about. So having said that, that's pretty much all of the, the details that we wanted to, to, to add or, or to, to, to show you from the study. I realize if you're somebody who struggles with fear, this is a lifelong process as yeah. with any muddy field, any, any core temptation. Um, and, you know, long periods of counseling is going to go through all that. This, we, we took a more intellectual approach. We typically do. We typically take a more intellectual approach uh, to these studies. I'm a huge believer in that logic does not trump emotions. Mm-hmm. So when I hear somebody say, ah, your emotions are corrupt and they can lead you wrong, that's why I need to rely on logic. I reject that because our logic is just as distorted and corrupt as our emotions are because all of it comes from our mind. So I take a very balanced approach that we should be looking at the intellectual logic rationale of things. We should all be paying, also equally paying attention to the emotions and passion behind it all, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, so I personally try to take an approach of a balanced uh, of both those. When we do the study and when we do the recordings, we definitely start from the intellectual perspective. Um, but we, and we don't spend as much time with the emotional simply because we're doing the recording mm-hmm. or when we do the four week study. If I'm sitting with somebody one-on-one, you know, over coffee, then we get much more into the to the emotional uh, aspect of all this. Mm-hmm. So, so I just wanted to acknowledge that that we we did the study, we, we done, we've done the recording now, we've laid out kind of all this detail, this knowledge, this information, this data, um, and we've only touched a little bit on the emotion knowing that but we've equipped you with the data we've equipped you with the information now and so as you proceed from this step forward absolutely bring the the emotional components into it as well and if i'm sitting with any of you one-on-one we we, you know we'll we'll discuss all that um anyways so to kind of wrap everything up um are there any other things that that you would like to add to the discussion uh or anything else that they think we'd want we'd want to cover uh, regarding fear? Um, I can't think of anything specific off the top of my head. I do think that one aspect that I'm, I don't remember if we specifically mentioned is that, um, fear really is, this is just a part of the prologue Mm -hmm. because we're dust individuals. Um, and so this is something that, um, God has obviously allowed, um, but it's not his design. That's not what he wants us to be um, pursuing. And so that really is part of why we need to be moving away from that. But I I really do think that this does lay um, a pretty good picture of that. And to speak into the emotional component a little bit, I also think that it's hard to specifically address that in this context because of how individualized emotions are um so we could go through and talk about 30 potential scenarios and how each one would go through but 
if you're one of the people that has one of those 30 scenarios, you're still hearing 29 that aren't, don't right. apply or you're hearing 30 that don't apply. And so it's just, it is really difficult. And so I appreciate you mentioning that, that we do yeah. tend to take a lot more of an intellectual approach and going and um, discussing the nuance and all these different things. But we definitely don't want to minimalize what someone is going through that does have this particular struggle mm -hmm. and um, really do hope that this is encouraging um, that it's not going to be something that happens overnight neither of us would ever expect someone who um, struggles with fear to hear this podcast and say oh yeah uh, I'll just fear the Lord good and then right. it, that's not uh, that's not how that works it is a process and it is something that's going to take time um, but we do think that a fear of the Lord is what's going to be uh, an effective counter to um, fear. And w we do think that this is something that walking down that path is beneficial. Yeah, and like you know, we talked about the, the inverse relationship between the two, there's also an inverse relationship between this dread fear and other fruit of the Spirit, like peace and joy and love, uh, patience, yeah. you know, all that. And so it's they all kind of get grouped with walking in step with the Spirit, Galatians mm -hmm. 5. And, and this is the water walking. This is the increasing intimacy with prayer. Uh, and so it seems that as you get out of the boat into the water, you can go back to listen to season one for that. Um, and as you're really trying to walk with God more in scripture, prayer, and community, you're going to get more love. You're going to get more peace. You're going to get more joy, more strength, more patience. You're going to get more of this fear of the Lord, more of this excited fear of the Lord. And it's a combination of all those things mm -hmm. that will help start countering whether, and it'll, it'll help start countering whatever it needs to counter, whether that's dread fear or it's lust or it's anger, mm -hmm. you know, or whatever it is, um, that's, that stuff will counter all this stuff kind of thing. Yeah. Cause as we've been going through this episode, we've been talking about fear and fear of the Lord as in we've it's almost been presented in a way that like those are the two options, but really countering fear, fear of the Lord is definitely an aspect of it, but there's a lot of other aspects of it that really do um, affect it. So mm -hmm. walking in step with the spirit, I think is one. Um, I think that trust uh, and trusting in the Lord really is another way that we can work on countering fear. Um, and also, the eternal internal external lens yep, yep. just being focused on more of the long-term eternal um when i die i'm going home yep uh just oh. all of these different things uh because this episode is about fear and so the two aspects of fear are fear and fear of the lord but we do want to recognize that it's more complicated avoiding fear than just this fear the lord. abstract fear of the lord idea there's all of these different ways that we can purposely move towards countering and this goes back to the each episode is on one piece of the puzzle yeah and so we zoom in on that piece of the puzzle but that's never meant to be in isolation mm -hmm. it's we zoom in on it and we don't discuss a lot of the other stuff because that's the point we're zooming in on this episode yeah. or this piece really trying to, to wrap our mind around it as best as we can then we zoom back out and then we add these pieces of the puzzle back to this big overall picture mm -hmm. um and then and then it also you know kind of starts to work together so okay so what would you so to finish up then how has this affected you um, as, as we've kind of talked this out? So like for me, for example, it's really interesting to me that in the countering of dread fear, 
it's not necessarily about getting more courage. Hmm. It's about getting more excited about God. That was the biggest takeaway for me. And again, we're not saying don't pursue courage. We're not saying that courage yeah. doesn't help because remember we, we looked up a bunch of those verses, be strong and, and have courage. The 30, 40, 60, 70 verses, what it was that we found. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of verses about getting courage, but it seems that courage is the baby step process so that you're still acting in the midst of fear, but then to actually get closer and tighter with God and more excited in who he is and, and a deeper trust of who he is, that that actually allows you to move to the fearless, fear, fearless stage, which is really cool. So that was one of the big, the big things for me. Yeah. I think one of the big things for me is a slightly different type of table takeaway because I'm, as I said earlier, I'm not really um, someone that gets afraid very often. Um, what I tend to have a lot more of is uncertainty towards the future. Mm-hmm. And so just like not knowing what's going on and being worried about like, what, what am I supposed to be doing? Where should I be going? And like these sort of different things. And it's really interesting how even that side of things, the answer is still, um, to be focused on God here where I'm at. Yeah. Um, that I don't need to have all of the specific answers on what I'm supposed to be doing, where I'm supposed to be going, all these different things. Um, what I really need to be doing is I need to be faithful to um, just walking in step with the Spirit, learning, who cultivating he is. Yeah. the fear of the Lord now in my life, and so then I can be actually equipped to be useful to Him even more in the future. Yep. And so that I think is one of the biggest takeaways for me is that. Um, even though I want to describe my fears like this dread sort of fear, even um, what I do tend to experience more often is still answered with having a healthy fear of the Lord. It's also interesting, you know, we, as we've been doing this for a couple of years now, we get into uh, definitions and meanings and like, like associations that we make or don't make with certain concepts. And then you start realizing the associations that are there and it kind of changes things. So you had said, you know, you're not somebody to be afraid. Um, but you did mention that you are concerned with uncertainty mm-hmm. and that you do worry. And we found that uncertainty and worry actually play into that. Yeah. And so it shows that you do have fear, maybe to a lesser degree. And different extent and whatever. Because yep, yeah. I would also in the past have said, oh, I'm not afraid. But then but then I realized, actually, there's a lot of things I'm afraid of. Mm-hmm. Afraid of what people say about me, afraid of failure, you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think I had, I had associated a very narrow definition yeah. of this dread fear. And then as you start realizing the broader definition, it's like, oh, I do mm-hmm. have it. Maybe, you know, again, maybe it's not quite my type one muddy field. Um, but maybe I do struggle with it more than I realize, you know, oh, okay, that's interesting. Uh, kind of plan, you know, I, I, even like in the, in the grieving study, realizing that my anger was a sign that I was grieving hmm. and I had never made that, that, that connection before. And I think one of the other takeaways is, um, when I think of fear of the Lord, I typically, even as I was just describing it, I tend to think of it as like a walking in step with the spirit, just kind of that sort of thing. Um, but I've heard some different speakers recently just really talk about, uh, Francis Chan's one of them, David Platt's another, just talk about how when we uh, come in prayer and we're talking to God, we're talking to the creator of the universe and we're talking to um, just all of the different attributes of God and just the 
bigness and powerfulness of who God is. And I tend to take um, prayer and a lot of these other things very just casually Mm -hmm. um, where like Moses, when he was going to go into the tent of meeting, like it was a big deal. And like all of the people around him recognized the importance of what was going on. And I tend to not do that. Um, and so just recognizing with this whole idea of fear of the Lord, who it is that I'm talking to and, uh, recognizing that there is that aspect of reverential awe, um, and just allowing that awe to really become to a much deeper degree than it currently is in my life. Yeah. And I, you know, we only spent a few minutes talking about like how one can get the fear of the Lord and develop it. But then we mentioned that that's kind of the whole point of, of rekindling. Um, and so we touch on how to develop that fear and that excitement. But that's what all the different episodes and, and all the different workshops are mm-hmm. all kind of moving towards that. And so I, I want to wrap up with an emphasis on um, even the reverential awe. I think I had always thought of it as kind of a quiet, serious thing but we found that that shaking and excitement it's a giddy thing and so it's both so you you should have that reverential awe where you do you know you are aware of how how dangerous or how powerful god can be um and and you have that serious kind of quiet reverence to it but one of the things is it would seem that that everything that i've been learning is we should actually have a giddiness And we should actually shake in excitement like a kid in a candy store going to the Star Wars Walt Disney World. Um, that we actually have a God. Like, for example, I, I really, I passionately believe that in the first day of heaven, we're, you know, when we finally see him face to face, there will be this giddy, excited shaking. Just like, oh my God, like, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan, right? Like, I'm his number one fan. Um, and, and we're just going to go nuts, uh, over him. And I believe that cause we'll see him with, with unadulterated eyes. Um, but we shouldn't wait until then. And so I know it's kind of hard. And I think this is part of the failure of the church as a whole, mm. um, is that we haven't dived into some of these excitable things to get excited about God. Some do, right? I mean, you do see elements of this. So we just want to wrap up with encouraging you guys that there are things that you can actually, as you as you get to know God better, as you draw closer to Him, you will actually begin to shake in excitement, um, and that's just huge. That's just really cool. And I realize it's easier said than done. There's a lot of qualifications to that, but I, I really do believe it. So we'll wrap up with that. We'll, uh, we're done for this episode. So thanks for listening through all of it. Uh, the next one that we're doing is actually, and we mentioned this earlier with humility, the next episode will be on humility and what that actually means according to Bible, not necessarily to our English uh, uh, definitions. Mm-hmm. So if you have any questions on anything or you want some more information or you have pushback you want to offer us, whatever, you can email us at info at rekindlingministries.com. You can go to the website, rekindlingministries.org. Uh, you can comment on Podbean. We uh, would love to see the um, comments and, w- and what you think. Uh, and then we will see you guys for the next episode. Sounds good.